This week, I had the great pleasure of welcoming back Nick Hayes to the podcast. Now, Nick runs Media Stable and is quite the expert in the whole media field. So I thought it would be really interesting to have a discussion about what he's seen change in the media landscape and media consumption over the last six to nine months during this changeable period. What Nick explains is that, as he predicted in the last podcast, that there's been a real move back to traditional forms of media, in particular radio. We really had a great discussion about becoming more discerning in our media consumption and sense-making. And, and really sort of, amongst many ideas, really recognising the leanings, particularly the political orientation of the sources that you're listening to. And, and, and why not actually go and listen to opposing views? We also talked about the pitfalls of going to social media for your, for your news, and also just the whole concept of consuming too much information. Nick is really articulate and he's a lot of fun to talk to. And it was really good just to have a discussion with a very steady point of view. He's, Nick, like he says, is very um, comfortable in his skin in this area and really brings a real sort of grown-up perspective when it comes to news and media and consuming content. So enjoy, Nick. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today I have the great pleasure of welcoming back Nick Hayes. Nick, welcome back to the show. Good to be back, Bryn. I don't know what this pleasure is. I mean, <laughs> and honestly, an opportunity and a chance to get back in there for a second go. Indeed. What have I done right? What have I, um, or what have I done wrong? Many things. Many <laughs> things. First of all, thank you very much for hosting me in your studio this time. Yep. Uh, last time you came and hung around the kitchen table. Uh, and now we're in your abode. We are. It's uh, in a nice little studio, and uh, I think that we're seeing a lot of these starting to pop up. We are. Around, not just Perth, Western Australia, but around the country, around the globe. Indeed. Seems that everyone's doing a podcast at the moment, Bryn. Yes. <laughs> a lot of them aren't doing it very well, Bryn. Mm. Must be something in it. <laughs> so for those of you that didn't catch Nick last time, shame on you, but um, <laughs> Nick, so Nick runs Media Stable, which um, links up experts with the media. So we've got a trusted source of, of knowledge and information. Um, in that last conversation, we had a real discussion around uh, discernment around media consumption. And we, you talked through the many different platforms. We talked about needs versus want when it comes to information. And one of the things that was really interesting was you talked about this potential erosion in trust with social media that might well bring people back to traditional forms yeah media yeah so that was back in episode 130 and the world has changed somewhat just a tad Bryn. just a tad maybe that little covid pandemic thing just kicked just in just cruised oh right yeah and yeah. there was bushfires and there was and bushfires and there was all sorts um and so i thought it'd be really cool to get back together and have a discussion around just what you've seen change in the media landscape, because it's mm. become a real, it's become a real focus and, and, and discussion topic. So, and, and there's a lot of things I'd like to run past you and dive into, but if we start off with just from your point of view, being a media expert, um, how have you seen the media step up, change, morph, etc and and consumption rates change to meet what's happened in the last you know, 
six to nine months? Yeah, it's it's been a, it's a great question, and it's and it's one that obviously um, when we were last speaking, we were talking about the rise of uh, traditional media returning back to probably a more authority space because of the, mm. the issues that Facebook might have been challenged with, um, you know, the, the sharing of content yeah. that might not necessarily have been legitimate and also, too, there was a fair amount of trust that was a bit of an issue there. Just for social media and those that use it, um, yeah. it's not qualified. It's not actually vetted, checked, and there's very much an agenda that's set. I think since COVID kicked in, and, you know, we, we – I think when we did speak, it was Australian bushfires time. Yeah, um, COVID hadn't quite, uh, made, you know, reared its ugly head at that point. But yeah. uh, a lot of the journalists and a lot of the media that we have seen uh, over the last six to nine months have experienced incredible growth, yeah. incredible readership, um, viewerships through the roof. Mm. I mean, you've got a radio station in Melbourne, three AW Ross and John, uh, now Russ uh, Ross and Russell who uh, were the leading talkback radio station in the country. You couldn't really beat their numbers and they've been doing it for 20 years. Mm. They posted an eight-point increase wow. in the last uh, survey. And that is partly because one changeover of presenter, which is normally a decline, not a, an advancement on numbers, mm. but the fact that people have returned to traditional media for real news, mm. for real uh, commentary to find out what is really going on mm. without the social media agenda that some of the groups have. Uh, you know, let's not forget Facebook's just an aggregator of news and yes. content. It doesn't, and it's supposed to not have any bias, <laughs> but the bias is in the beholder, the person that has the account. Yes. And that's the platform that they use that from. Whereas journalism, whether it be radio, television, newspaper, and the online sites that are connected to a media house, yeah. they have protocols they have to go through. They are also too monitored and checked, and Regular they have an authority that looks over them as well, yeah. whereas uh, social media hasn't. So since we last spoke, and we were throwing out the idea that traditional media was and we could see the rise of it isn't that funny nine months later we predicted what actually did happen yes just you didn't really predict the catalyst <laughs> i didn't predict the pandemic and a boy oh boy if you could have, could have predicted that mm. Jesus, you'd be worth a bit wouldn't you you would you would indeed i think um one of the things that in my journey over the uh over the past six to nine months is one of the things that came up for me was I recognise that I have an addiction to knowing stuff, right? And I'm not—I don't think I'm alone. No. Um, but I—I I sort of recognise it, felt it, felt it, embodied it within myself. And you know, you will look at the world through your lens of working in the media. I look at my—I look at the world through my lens, which is very much sort of background in psychology, philosophy, and as well as business consulting, etc. And I sort of tracked back my needing to know things from a like almost like original trauma. I mean, nobody gets into adulthood unscathed, no. right? Everyone gets bruised along the way. And there's somewhere there where you are left in a place where you don't quite know what's going on. You're out of control. These nasty feelings turn up. And then there's a part of you that sort of splits and goes, right, right, we're not doing that anymore. Mm. So we're going to know, we're going to be in control and keep those nasty feelings away. 
come forward to 2020 where we all have this shared trauma, you know, of, mm. of being faced with uncertainty. All of a sudden, one way you think you're going to work, next minute, the Premier's out there saying, no, you're not, you're going to stay at home. That has an impact. And when we, you know, it's almost like that return to some sort of traumatic event that that then provokes this needing to know because then that will help downregulate my nervous system. Yeah. Right. So that's the lens I see through the world. So when you tell me that viewerships and readerships have gone through the roof, it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think partly because we've been burnt once before, you know, we've seen the things that and, – and people's agendas and bias that are sitting there, but – and and not let's not say that traditional media in its form isn't biased or yeah. doesn't have an agenda. I'm, I've never, I will never yeah. go out and say that. Yeah. But I think if you were going to take uh, the the devil, the less of of evils of of all um, content and news mm. producers, you'd go towards traditional media purely for the fact that the agenda that has been set by them is generated for an audience and a, and a mass audience. Yes, not a niche audience where they've got a particular bias and a particular viewership that they're looking to either engage or to inform. They, yes. They're going for mass media. And I think that the, what was really pleasing with all of that and, that and getting back to your point around that need to want to know, I think yeah. human beings in our nature, we love to know what is going on. So we can orientate ourselves in the world. And where do we safe. fit in? Where do we fit in this big scheme of things? You know, yeah. what do we discuss when we're either down the pub? Now, if we're in Victoria, the pubs are only just opening now. Yeah. You know, they've been in lockdown literally for, you know, up to three to six months. They haven't been able to, as human beings, converse and feel around each other. And partly the reason 3AW, uh, Ross and Russell, had that 8% spike is that they're not going to work they're sitting at home around the wireless. Yeah. They're watching television. They're reading the newspapers. They're reading the online pages and they're consuming and they're trying to work out what is going on. And they're getting a, a far better picture from that media than necessarily social media. Yes. And I think that's where, we're, where social media is going to be challenged for its authority for its position and its role, mm. but I, I'm, look, I'm not. But I'm not a, an old fuddy-duddy here, Bryn. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I know the power of social media. Yes, and its shareability and its ability to infiltrate demographics and generations that and, are and move like wildfire. And correct. Yeah, and we also, you know, I'm also fully aware that the newspapers aren't selling nearly as many newspapers as they once did back in the day before Facebook, before Twitter, before all the other social platforms, Google, you know, yeah. sharing it around. But there has been a bit of a revolution since COVID yeah. where people are looking to the media and looking to something that they trust and something that they can yeah. believe in without having to be challenged every second of the way. Who's, who's behind this? Why, why is this being presented and, and this story's not? Um, why is this so one, one particular way and not sharing the other side of it? Yes. And, that's why traditional media has been such an important um, communicator to the Australian public during this particularly mm. tough time. And I think going back, to, you know, in in uncertain traumatic times, you want to be able to pin your hat on something. Yeah. Give yourself that. Yeah, which traditional media. Well, what? Who do you go to? I mean, when you you know you're in business, you go to someone that you trust. You trust a mentor, someone that's advised you in the past, someone that has always given good advice, um, has your back, 
and and you know hasn't really hurt you in a particular way that um, you know someone mm. that you would not definitely not go near. But media and particular, I'd I'd, I'd like to hit with radio and and not so much television because te- television is such a uh, it's a broadcast at you and it's a very much a consumer world today. Yes. So we, we can pick and choose what we want to go away and watch on television. We're not set down by the five channels that are telling no, us what's time. Netflix and Netflix and all the things. Correct. Yeah. Um, but radio is very much the uh, old version of today's modern social media. It, mm. I like to call it the barometer of public opinion because it does has so many and so live and so up-to-date uh, projections of stories and news that people can stay informed as it's happening. Yes. So it's not like they're picking up the paper down at the BP station at 6am in the morning to find out the news of the day. Yes. Most of that news has been done and dusted. Yes. Um, but radio tends to have that sort of uh, what, what is our old version. The old version of radio is sort of today's modern-day social media and, yeah. and very much current but also too protected by the protocols around journalism and, and who they report to. Yeah. So radio, I, I, the numbers in radio are still increasing at a, at a level that yeah. is, is through the and roof. Would you delineate that from, you know, obviously you're saying separate to TV, but also news channels as well? Yeah, I, look, I think with uh, when you're talking about the news, I think, you know, the, the fact that people, it was only 30 years ago, um, you, you'd remember your father and your mother coming home, and they'd be everyone be sitting around yeah. six o'clock news, yeah. catch up, and some of the some of the dads that were far more informed would watch two sets of news. And as a kid, you just mm. go insane. Oh yeah. God, two lots of news, Dad. Oh, you know, <laughs> where, where's the Sullivans or where's Scooby Doo? Yeah. You know, there was that we were just waiting for that opportunity, or Neighbours, or Home and Away. But yeah. the the news channels themselves, because we still we still go to them. But we're probably not necessarily going to them in the numbers. But the best thing about the daily news on TV is that you get the full lot in a half hour or in an hour. Yeah. You know, from local events, international events, sports, um, you know, the good news stories, some of the tragic stories that are going around. Yeah. Uh, I often say to my wife, I, I won't let my kids watch the news at six o'clock. It's the most violent piece yeah. of. Um, vision that you know on television because it it, you think about it fires, stabbings, all these things, and it's mm-hmm. like I don't want my kids seeing that, yeah. but um, you know, I go downstairs and watch it and, and, and consume it all myself because I'm in that game and I've got to understand what is going on. It's still there, it's still valid, yeah, but it's losing its validity yes. in that who can be found home at six o'clock these days, yeah. and particularly with the changing working environment. But having said all of that, Bryn, um. You know, if this lockdown and this COVID thing that's happened, uh, particularly in, in Victoria, yeah, uh, lesser to us in WA, but you know, only still thirty percent of people haven't returned back to work. Yeah, they haven't re- returned back into the offices. They're working from home. Yeah. Guess what they've got on the background? Radio. Radio. Guess what they're watching? The six o'clock news. So numbers are going up, and that might be the new norm that we're heading towards. Mm. But I think we always go back to those that we trust. Mm. And back to my original point around that mentor and that person that you want to you want to go to those people that you know are going to give you good advice or give you good information. We don't actively seek negative or bad information. Yeah, and I think people are just waking up to realise that on social media, it's uncharted, it's biased, mm. and also to you just don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, and I think 
did you have you seen the recent film on Netflix, the Social Dilemma film? I've 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 been seeing bits and bobs of it. I haven't really dived into it yet, but I'm hearing it everywhere. Yeah, and to actually understand, I mean, I had a previous podcast guest, Professor Sam Vaknin, who talked about the actual uh, design of it in terms of the relative positioning of you know me versus you but me versus me last week in terms of number of comments and likes and things like that and and then to take that a step further and watch the 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 social dilemma film whereby there were there were probably two really scare two maybe three really scary bits in it for me one was the idea that you were trading in human futures Mm. so that means if you're mr zuckerberg and i want to sell a product to the listener i can say hey mark here's 100 grand i want you to sell this for me and you go cool i will shape the opinions and the belief patterns of the people on facebook to like your product to a point that they will buy it so no longer are we putting up a, a passive billboard and going come and get brin's shaving gel yeah. right Good shaving gel, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and and you make it, choose it or, you know, choose it or like it. Now it's like bit by bit by bit, we'll expose it to you, expose it to you, expose it to you, and, and maybe put some messaging around it to the point where we have shaped your, so we've shaped your human future to the place that you will buy it, which is just fucking scary. What hope do we have, Bryn? What hope do we have? But it, but I'll put it back to you. Yeah. What? Who do we blame here? Mark Zuckerberg? Or the very people that put all that information and give it to Mark yep. and give it to him on a platter, give it to him for free. He becomes the most powerful marketing tool in the, the world, world, in the globe. Uh, you might not have been around in Australia at the time, but when when the Australian government tried to introduce the Australia card, yeah, oh my God, yeah, not a person. I mean, we've all got, we all had passports. All the same identity, you know, it basically yeah. had your driver's license, driver's license tax file number, and all that sort of thing. It was yeah. just in one Australia card. Yeah. Um, you would not believe the outcry of, of, of the Australian people. It's big brother looking over us, just wanting to take control of our lives and everything like that. And then you look at this today and we are giving our most intimate details yep. to a bloke in the US who is literally using it to sell to brands to sell back to us yeah. the very things. In the scary mechanism I've just described. Correct. I and mean, it, it is frightening. It is. It is. And I'm, it, it's interesting you should bring this up because more and more over this year when, when people have, I've listened to people say, oh, you know, Facebook this or it's got too much power or, you know, um, the government this, government that, what are they doing? Da, da, da. It, it's like. Well, dude, you you participate in, in society, right? Stop legitimizing your victimhood here and making it them versus us. Just retreat. Don't yep. don't participate. But I think human beings like to play the victim because they understand how to play the victim. They very rarely understand how to play the winner. Yes. And and being a victim, they're comfortable in that. Yeah. And also too, you know, social media is just a brush with victim victimization yeah look at me poor me i couldn't do this because of that this person's to blame for all the ails that i have in life la yeah. la la i'm the victim you know what before then before social media there was none of that if there was the victim was the guy in the corner at the hotel 
you know, just sort of talking to himself, you know, swallowing his pride with a beer and, you know, just keeping it to himself. Now everyone's a victim yep. and they're blaming everyone for their ales. It's, it's wrong, Brina, it's wrong. And that's, and it's partly a reason why I don't – I use social media myself personally for business. Yes. But at a level where I drop the, the post out and, and walk away. Yep. I'm not looking to engage further or wider. Yep. It's just a process I feel I have to go through in some yes. cases, not necessarily the one that I want to go through. Mm. And I think that's the challenge there for a lot of people in this space. And uh, it's um, – yeah, you've 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 got to be careful how how consumed you get you get caught up in it, and you get caught up in that bubble and vacuum of not reality. Mm. It's, it's 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 not reality at all. It's 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 a complete fabrication, and many things that are, you know, such are the things that we post. You know, uh, according to my Facebook page, I I have a very happy family, and everything goes along smoothly day in day out. Yeah. How does that happen? Because I know for a fact, you know, I'm frustrated. I have issues. I have problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to – I'm human. But the very picture that we all paint on Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter is this perfect world. Uh, but it's not. It's and not. everyone's looking to aspire to be someone else or do that. You, and then they're feeling inadequate, Bryn, yes, because the actual the activity of the person down the art road, they're having a much better life than me. You know what? Turn the bloody thing off. <laughs> Just switch it off. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that became super clear, I mean, I, I like yourself, um, have a, what I like to refer to as a, a pre-digital memory. Yes. Um, and so, you know, as we've moved further and further and further into Instagram and this world of influencers, and, and things like that. Um, one of the things I really did enjoy during the stay at home period um, was that all of a sudden you would see influencers trying to do their influencing thing and yet it was so redundant and it added no value and yep. it was become irrelevant. Yep. It was absolutely great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh look, I yeah, influencers, and I, I you know, I, I've got a theory on influencers in that, um, again, to the Mark Zuckerberg uh, point around who do we blame? Do we blame Mark Zuckerberg or do we blame the very people yeah. that have put all that content in front of Mark Zuckerberg in their yeah. personal information? And it goes to the same for influencers as well. Who do I blame? The influencer trying to spruik a, a wooden spoon to sell. Or the very people that have yeah. found this particular influencer follow them and do everything they do religiously. Mm. You know, you look at the Kardashians, the 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 big ticket influencers that people just aspire to be. Yes. But you've got your local ones as well. And to your point, during this pandemic and COVID time, they couldn't race down to the beach and run around in their uh, fluffy bikini yeah. and stuff like that and then think, oh, people are going to go away and buy it. No, we were, we were less inclined to look at influencers and start getting back to the news. Mm. Start getting back to the people that we trust. Um, because influencers, you know, and I, I don't want to name any influencers out there in fear that uh, they might come at me for uh, for defamation. Yeah. But, you know, there is a guy that was pushing paleo. And he might be paleo Pete. And, uh, you know, his influence on something that, you know, I would say uh, has no idea on. And yeah. yet people were still seeking and following that content. 
to a level that you go, what, why? You're a footballer's wife. That doesn't necessarily mean you're the best parent running around and can give parental advice. Yeah. I would say, you know, just because you've got uh, a position in society that says uh, that you're probably doing a little bit better than the average person out there and uh, it doesn't place you as the expert or the authority no. in that. No. You know, so it means you can run out and become a coach on the shit. And yeah. <laughs> so to your point, I do love the, love to hear that you felt that as well. I felt that too. Yes. I felt influences dropped off completely purely before because they don't know how to respond to this. They haven't got the answers. But I think no. also too the audience got a lot smarter as well. Yes. I think the audience started to work them out for who they actually are. Yes. Just because you wear a bikini better than, you know, the, than, than myself, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got all the answers to my woes and to my fears and to the, to the very products that I need to be buying or whatever because I'm not buying this stuff. I'm not in the mood to. This yeah. is not the kind of time to do it. So influencers, yeah, they've got, they got a bit of work to do to get back to, to start influencing again, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to. Hmm. Hmm. Ponder that. Yes. Not a, not a big loss to society. Well, then, no, but but having said that, again, I, I think that the real point behind it is that you can have a crack at the influencers, but the influencers have got the, to that level because of the actual audience yep. and the audience has made that. You know, I never blame someone for a political party that they've voted in. I never blame the political party. I don't do that because if the fact is it's the people that chose them. If we're going to blame anyone, blame yep. the people. And it goes also, too, for media. You know, we got rid of the shock jocks in Australia. So a lot of the big shock jocks, we've just recently seen Alan Jones disappear off the media landscape. Um, we've seen people like Howard Sattler on in Perth Radio who lived off the – and they're very nice people. Howard's a very lovely person, but as a shock jock, he loves to throw the hand grenades in and be a little bit controversial. He takes the PC out of it. And I think we, we to a level, have gone way too PC. Yeah. But at that same time, they don't have a PC even uh, gauge at all. Yeah. And we've got rid of that because the audience got rid of them. Yes. The audience rejected them and said, no, no more. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. If we're going to change that, if we're going to change the way that we consume media, the audience has to change and has to make that change. So one way to, to lessen the effect of, for instance, Facebook or any other social media platform that's out there is to lessen the numbers. Yeah. Walk away from it good friend of mine in Melbourne actually has only just got back onto Facebook because he had to for work, but he'd, he'd been off it for six, six to six months. Yeah. And he said it was the best six months of his life. Yeah. But he just had to get back on it for work. He's in media himself. Um, and he's trying his darndest to keep a very, very low profile and mm -hmm. don't get too involved because it's all consuming. It is not the nicest world out there. No. Um, you know, we actually live in a gorgeous world if people stopped for a minute and took their heads out of their phones and had a look around, yep. breathed in the air, had a look around yeah. and, and, and see the As lovely say, sunshine. The sunshine and, is good. Oh, the beach is good. Oh, You know, walking in trees is good. Yeah. Hanging out with your family and friends and giggling is good. Great. And that's your pre-digital time. Yes. Now we seem to, and I was driving into work today and uh, there was a series of kids lining up at the bus stops and not one of them, I think a bus could have, three or four buses could have gone through, not one of them got their heads out of their phones. Mm. You know, it's, it's we're, we're becoming walking robots, zombies type sort of things to this. And it is a worry. But uh, again, I'm, I don't want to be the fuddy-duddy here, but no. I too remember what it was like pre-digital. And um, I think getting back to our very original point, yeah. I think the rise of, 
of traditional media is coming back purely for the fact that people are starting to see what social media and also to the platforms that are offering news, mm. it's, it's not necessarily real. Yeah. Um, and I'm not just saying all traditional media is real, but I'm just saying it's got a little bit more authority and a little bit more realness about it. Yeah. So what, what would you say, because what would you say to um, sort of, points towards media in terms of well by and large you know a lot of most of the media stations are privately owned and they have to answer to shareholders yep and um the way that they go about raising revenue generally is through advertising which means to do that you need to put you know get eyeballs on yep or, or ears in if it's radio and and then there's a link to um, well, so if I'm going to uh, attract people, some of the best things I can use is fear, shame, guilt, in there. And I myself at times during the, the during the um, the coverage of COVID and many other things, one of the biggest things that switches me off from the main media is there's a lot of doom. Um, there is at times it feels like there's legitimization of the victim space. Like, yep. oh, look at this poor person and da, 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 and then we'll leave them there. And, um, I think we've seen a bit more of the use of shame and guilt to help move, um, messages through communities, but, you know, around, well, we've got to do the right thing. So you going to, you do the yep. right thing. I think. I probably felt that more on things like the project yep. and things like that. So I think once you become slightly more emotionally literate and you can feel what someone's trying to do, you know, it's like when your mum tries to guilt trip you into doing yep. shit. Um, it, there's been times when I have felt that. And then, you know, because I have this psychology background, sometimes I go, well, you know, Fear always gets this free pass into people's brains. Yeah. Like logical thought, you know, gets a barrier and I can pass it out, but fear will go straight in because I need to know and it's safe and da, 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 da. And then and then that helps to bring the eyeballs in, which then brings in the media, which then answers it, you know. And that it's a fair point. What sort oh, of look, it, it is a fair point. I, I think, you know, I, I often I, I talk about the our state newspaper here in Western Australia and <laughs> I only recalled in today's paper, and on page eighteen, you know, the page eighteen, quite deep into the paper, obviously, but um, it's the vasectomy of a, an AFL footballer made the news. Why did the vasectomy of an AFL footballer make the news? Well, yeah, and then you sit there and you wonder and you go, where, where have we gone, and what have we got to at a point where this is now news? But I think yeah. to answer your question around that doom and gloom side of it, and it's. I don't blame again yeah. the newspaper. I blame its audience for the fact that it is what it is wanting to hear. Yes, it is what it's wanting to read. It's wanting to see. 
the newspaper and its editors knows its audience better than we would ever think they would. Yes. Because they watch and see what 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 gets more click-throughs, what actually people are looking at, what do they want. They, are on, they ask, you know, and even in the letters to the editor, they're following the issues that people are concerned about. Anyone that is bothered to pick up a pen or write or type in a letter to an editor to complain when you can just jump onto Twitter or Facebook and say whatever you want, you know, there is, there is motivation, there is discipline. So uh, you can sit there and doom and gloom, we, we buy into that very quickly because we're fascinated by it. Because also too, while we also want to justify, and this is your psychology hat on, not mine, I only did 12 months of psychology and I, I, I failed dismally. Yeah. (laughs) Bryn, but you know what? Um, we also want to feel better about our own lives when someone else is hurting or not doing so well, yes. all of a sudden, hey, our life doesn't feel so bad as well. But also too, you know, remember when Big Brother came along and uh, the show and, you know, because we're always fascinated about what's going on on the other side of the fence. You know, what's our neighbours up to? What are they doing? But yet social media is literally that. Yes. We give, we're looking over everyone's um, uh, everyone's mm. fence and over every boundary, not just our locale, um, you know, globally. But I also think too that we are subject as an audience and we vote with our feet, with our mm. eyeballs and our ears on what we want to hear. Mm. what we want to see, what we want to read. And I will defend traditional media in that tabloidish way that some of the publications have gone purely for the fact they're competing against social media that terrorises people with clickbait material and sends them to a place where they think they want to go and how often do you get there and you go, oh, that's not the story I really wanted to read. I didn't really want to do that, you know, but I, I got caught up in it, you know. Yeah. They're competing against that space and that just might be more human nature of telling the media what they want than necessarily what they need to hear. Mm. And I've had this debate with a few people is, you know, does media uh, tell us what we want to know or what we need to know? And I think there should be more need Need to know know. than what we want to know. Yes. Because – there is a sense of responsibility. And I still think you get that through traditional media over that of social media, mm. but maybe not enough of that. And yes. I, th- I think that, you know, from you and I, when we were growing up as, as teenagers and, and, and young adults, we still would have got the news that we needed to know, mm. not necessarily what we, the consumer, yes. the audience wanted to know. And that might be the challenge for the demographics coming through is that they've always been want, 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 and maybe not enough need. Yeah. And you can so easily see how when that that reptilian, that R complex, the, the fear bit is fired up, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. And then you can you go off mainstream into Facebook, into YouTube, you you have only got to look at click at one um I'm just gonna pull it off the top of my head, like five G causes coronavirus. And boom, you will be fed and fed and fed and fed and fed and fed because of the algorithm, more scary stuff after more scary stuff, more scary stuff. And then after a period of time, the next thing you know, you've entered a whole world of darkness. And I was invited to speak on someone's podcast recently um, about conspiracies. And I think the host thought I was going to come and talk about conspiracies. What he got was me talking about the biggest conspiracy 
is the design of social media. And so whilst many of, you know, whether it's child trafficking or, or whether you want to discuss vaccinations or whatever, they all, while they all have lines of merit as a line of inquiry, the biggest conspiracy to me seems to be the plethora of shit that you're fed. Yep without you even realising it. And then people getting worked up and worked up and worked up. And you're talking about the algorithm that is literally, you you know, you, <laughs> it happens all the time. I think my wife was looking at holidays down south and uh, next thing you know, everything in her Facebook feed were holiday houses and um, locations geographically spaced all to the very thing because yeah. Big Brother is watching. You know, we've set it up, social media has set it up is to, they want to understand you better than your partner understands you. Yeah. They want to understand you because all they're trying to do is sell to you. And that's what we are getting caught up in. And to your point there around, particularly around conspiracy theories, you know, the, the tin hat brigade, the 5G conspiracy theories, the anti-vaxxers, oh God, don't get me started with vegans and, and all that good stuff. But they get this, they, they, you put that in there, and you get fed that every time, day in, day out. Yeah. You you are literally you are being mind controlled here. Yeah. You know, you are you are being um you you're you're basically put into that bubble that's going to uh, produce a card carrying whatever you've actually put in there, if that's what you you believe in. And if you don't take on any other theories and you don't listen to other people or what other things that are going on, how can you shape, frame and and yeah. see what you believe in? And look, it's very easy to get caught up in it. Brainwashing on social media, I think, is what you're suggesting. That is what is going on. And the irony is, is that many people who will move away from mainstream media will say, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. It's brainwashing me. It's, it's brainwashing the masses. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And on one level, there, there will be an agenda in there because as we recognise, there is a, you know, a private um, shareholder responsibility. Mm. But it's it's sort of one big message going out to a large amount of people. Whereas the 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 thing with the social media is it, it's a big message targeted specifically at you, your preferences, your philosophy, your psychology, your yep. beliefs and values in the world. And it's it, it, you can't you can't make sense of it because it just feels like the right thing and the right thing and the right thing. There will be conspiracy theorists out there right now, Bryn, that will say that you and I have a conspiracy theory against social media and that we're trying to bring it down, etc. Which is hardly the case. You know, the minute we finish this conversation, I'm going to take a photo of you and I on my digital camera, yep. and I'm going to post it onto we're one of the digital spaces. Of course, we're going to do that, um, but. We also too, I think social media has created the perfect marketing tool, the perfect communicator to the human being, unwittingly knowing that they're giving them and feeding them everything that they need to do to become that perfect machine. Mm. And if you don't, if you don't think for, if you think for a second that this is all, oh God, how did that pop up straight after I just, you know, jotted something down in Google and how did that come up in my Facebook feed? Um, that's completely relevant. 
it's not because it just mined, you know, it came out of nowhere. It came yeah. because it is monitoring. It is taking Every your content you're that you're doing. You know, the you know your little uh, Wonder Boom boxes and stuff like that. You know, hey Siri, turn on three AW. You know, Hey Siri is not just sitting there when you yell at Hey Siri. Hey Siri is listening all the time. Every day. You know, yeah. When we we think about talking about our own privacy and where we sit in the world, and we're thinking, you know, we're pretty safe and secure. Where uh, no one knows all my details, etc. Oh, I wouldn't even begin to tell you how many places because we freely give it up into places that we think and mm. what we originally probably trusted not to deliver or not to put it out there. Because Facebook wasn't always like this. No. Um, you know, there the was a platform of sharing photos with friends and family yeah. and having a wonderful time. And, you know, I, I'd never been more connected. I remember Facebook for me was when uh, I was in London at the time and we were using another uh, platform, Bebo or something like yeah, that. Yeah. That just died off. But we used Facebook going, oh, look at this. I don't have to actually, um, you know, send my photos up or uh, across by mail or anything to my family anymore. It's just load them up onto Facebook. They're seeing it within minutes of me putting it up. Yeah. This is wonderful. Yeah. No, I don't – I'm not going to have to have a video night where I'm sitting down with the whole yes. family going, oh, oh, this is where we went to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. They not only went to the Eiffel Tower with me, they could almost smell the croissants. Indeed. You know, this is how close and intimate we've become and, 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 a, and, a, and a platform that we, we truly do use and use a lot. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not falling off by any means, but um, we've just got to be careful with it. I think the, the second scariest point in that, documentary for me was when people think about a um artificial intelligence and ai takeover i think the words that we use is we think of um something overcoming our strengths and like the terminator coming yep. and physically crushing us but what we don't realize is is that ai has already overcome our weaknesses yep and so it's come through the back door yeah and we don't even realize it yeah yeah so this sort of swings me around now to whether whether it's social media as we've discussed it or it, or even mainstream media which you know has an agenda and will put frames on the way it presents um information um where do you see us as the individuals and our ability to make sense of the information because with social media, we have this formidable foe. We have no idea of the power of the, of, the, of the algorithm and the computing power that sits behind the screen, mm. right? We, we, we think it's benevolent, but it, it, it far outstrips our capacity to make sense. And that's why people almost get hooked and addicted. Me, mainstream media in and of itself will be presenting Stuff. I mean, even this podcast is doing that. Sure. Right. It's presenting that. So it's, it then comes down to we consume media. So we are media consumers. So I guess it comes back to what we were starting to touch on in the last episode, which is our discernment. Where do you see our um, sort of sense making skills individually and then collectively in that world? Oh, look, it's we we've we're we're consuming so much information that you know uh, the way we do consume it, we are choosing what we consume, not yeah. necessarily rocking up to the time and and getting a, a full coverage of. And 
our ability to discern, I think it comes down to one, your background, your intelligence, your yeah. socioeconomic standing, where you, you know, what your family did, what your parents to do for a job, et cetera, and your ability just to take in data. There's a lot of data to take in. Yes. And I think um, some of us might be just overtaken and too consumed by it all because, and it, it there is just so much of it. Oh. You, you, you would, you wouldn't be able to take it all in. No. I think you have to pick and choose. And for the, those that are well-read, and, you know, we t- refer to someone as well-read, knowledgeable, um, can make those decisions, can sort of make up their own mind as to sort of what is right and wrong. Um, I think it comes back from education, comes back to people's ability to uh, be very careful with their consumption of mm. media. And I'm not talking about being careful about what they read, just how much, yep. and also to that it isn't just a particular bias or a particular pathway. Um, now, I, I in Australia, you can look at the sky after dark. They refer that to the right wing media. Right. You know, it would be the opposite, for instance, of an ABC uh, media. Yeah. Um, very uh, conservative. Uh, liberal in their p- politics, mm. they're, they're unashamed about that. And as is probably uh, ABC, which is supposed to be apolitical, um, probably leans slightly to the left. Yeah. And, you know, we all know that. Yeah. As intelligent consumers and as intelligent human beings, we already yeah. know that. So when I do hear a news story from there and a news story from there, I know the slight taint or the light, yeah. slight shade that might be with it. But I think moving forward and for people on the way that they consume content, information, news, I hope that we don't become, to your point, the want to know and through that fear, the need to know yeah. everything. I think we just need to take on what it is to make our life better, yeah. what it is to make our life um, uh, informed and not necessarily have to know everything. everything. Be okay with not and be knowing. okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know the answer to this. Yeah, one of, one of the great things we tell our experts is is that you know like you'll get put into a situation where you're being interviewed um, by media and you're not going to know the answer to this, mm. and it's okay. In fact, it just tells me you're more human yeah. than you are robotic mm. in spitting out the did 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 line that uh, you know you read in a book that. Or got from a social media platform that, yeah. whether you believe that or not, I think it's you know it's very comfortable to say, look, I don't know the answer to that. Um, the other side of it is, is that when you do consume one particular media and one and very biased media, you don't have a well-rounded position. You become a, a ranter. You become a raving, what we call a raving lunatic, and that can go from left and right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the political positioning that you have on the scale, like the right, radical left. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You'll be a lunatic if you don't take in all form of media yeah. or at least all form of bias that's sitting there and be able to intelligently digest it and argue it yourself because yeah. you've got to be able to deliver the argument. You can take in the information. Everyone's going to have a different opinion and position yeah. to every piece of news. I can give you straight-up research saying A and I can get the other person at the other end will say, nah, I mm. believe in B. Yeah. And it's like that's perfectly fine. The differences between the two, though, are the arguments and the way that they interpret the evidence. Yeah. And that is, in human beings, it's natural for us to interpret differently. No two people are going to interpret data or content in the same way. But if you can deliver the data and the content in an intelligent, well-thought-out, evidence-based fact, you're going to be able to deliver 
a really sound mind position view yes that others might go you know what i think you're on the money yeah i think you're right yeah or i'm 70 percent with you yeah or, oh mate i'm happy they're 51 percent with me yeah i've just that's all i'm happy with yeah <laughs> I do a little segment on 6PR every Friday um, called uh, the, the Press Conference with Ollie Peterson and Joe McManus. And I'm, I might be seen as slightly the right-wing guy because yeah. my opposite in Joe McManus is very, very left. Yeah. I, I just don't sit as left as she does. I probably sit very central, but it sounds like I'm very right. Yes. Um, I'm constantly, constantly berating the West Australian Premier for the fact that his uh, policy on the hard border and not converting over to a smart border, yeah. or at least listening to the people of going, you're not leading, you're actually just keeping us and living us in a land of fear. Yes. And while I enjoy the very joys of being able to move around and do almost the normal things that we were doing here in uh, Perth before COVID, compared to that of our friends in Victoria, I still feel trapped. Yes, I can't get up and jump on a plane yeah. and head over to Sydney to do work that I need to go and get done. But I also do celebrate the fact that we are healthy, mm. we're doing all right, but I would like better leadership. But according to everyone else that listens to me on the radio, they think I'm a right-wing lunatic. <laughs> and I don't mind that, but if, yeah. as my, if, I, if my evidence, if my position is yeah. well-backed, thought out, and it's presented in a way, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And that comes about from you having your own sound ability to make sense of the world for Nick. Yeah. And everyone's gonna. It's all very subjective. Oh yeah. It's it's and and it's perfectly right. I believe that everyone should have the right to every their own opinions and everything like that. What I won't is when someone has and wants to bestow it on someone else. Yeah. And the other side of it is is that when they do start the rant, and you can tell immediately that their position is very much only one sided, and can't even see the light or even a glimmer of light on the other side and recognise that there might be merit there too. Yeah, and that is what we see a lot with this cancel culture. Uh, honestly, cancel culture. If, if <laughs> uh, cancel culture, this is it, it, look. History is history, and you know we are we we learn history at school. We understand what our forefathers did, whether it was right or wrong. That that is what happened. To yeah. go away and delete it or to pretend it never actually happened, that's not a democracy. That is not the way society works. Mm. We can look back at some of the people. I mean, I, just even recently, Captain Cook, you know, 20, 30 years ago and beyond before then, he was the greatest hero Australia ever had. Today, they want to tear his, they want to tear his statue down. Yeah. And, and that would happen in, in the UK. That would yes. happen in the US. It's been happening everywhere. Is it all of a sudden we've got to now cancel what had happened in the past well you know what learn from history if we made mistakes learn from it don't try to erase mm. them and pretend they didn't actually happen because history is history mm. um the funny thing with history though is is history is always written by, by the, winners. the winners yeah true um and ironically enough when things stuff like stuff like that happens where we want to tear down statues and things like that well if you want to go into the world of conspiracies, and one of the favourite films is 1984, yep. what was the main character's job? Taking out articles out of the paper in the past. That's right. And that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. He was smart, that George Orwell, wasn't he? Very. Yeah. 
1984. What were you doing in 1984? Uh, I was 10. I was at school. Yeah, I was 11. I'm older than you. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, and look, we, we've. I think that with anything like that, you have to, you know, recognise. Look, a lot of the deeds weren't that good, and yeah, yeah. and they were harmful, and they do hurt others now, uh, or had hurt them in the past, and we're only recognising that now. But it's good that we're recognising it mm. now, and I'm, you know, I'm more than happy to say sorry, even for things that I haven't done. But I'll be I'll be saying sorry for the fact that you know I'm sorry that you were going through that or the way that you're feeling through that. But to to negate all of that, I've got to say though on another side of cancel culture, which it sort of gets lumped into this, you know, um, and I and I don't like it because I think there is something there that can be done when brand names have names that are, are offensive and hurtful to particular people, and I'll refer to coon cheese. Yeah, you know that word is offensive. Yeah. Um, it's got nothing to do with what the intentions or had never any intentions of doing so. Yeah. But you know what? It just might be time to change that name. And yeah. it, as a result, it has. Yeah. And people will say, well, that's just political correctness gone nuts, gone mad. Yeah. Um, nah, look, I, I, I think, you know, we, we grow. And as a, as a, as a, as a human being movement and, and, uh, and society, we grow and, you know, we start to recognise and become very different people to what we were a hundred years ago. Yes, and that's I'm comfortable with that. Comfortable. Mm. How are we going? Very well. Um. So the last question I like to ask my guests nowadays, and it's changed since last time. Yeah, I've, no, I've been listening, so I sort of got ready for this one. Okay. So if you could upload a question into the collective consciousness that just makes everyone, that everyone would just sit still for five or 10 minutes and contemplate right now. What would that be? Oh, there you go. I was telling a porky pie. I haven't been listening. I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> at all. Uh, that's a really good one. Um, look, I don't think that anything that I say, I, I don't think I've got anything to say that someone's going to sit there for five or 10 minutes to think about it. I mean, I would struggle to think about it. I've, I've got the attention of a, of a gnat. I'm, I'm moving from five to seven, <laughs> every seven seconds to something else. But the question I would ask the collective right now is, you know, oh, to really, really think that you know, if, oh God, if I was in five years time from now, will I be just as fired up and motivated as I am right now? Or will that motivation and fire up be just in a, just a different form? You know, am I am, am, am I actually even fired up? I don't know about this, about this topic particular is, topic or yeah. or this position. But I think now, as a forty-seven-year-old male, um, I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin and my own thoughts and views because I've been around for a little while. Chop some wood. I've chopped some wood. I've been around the block a couple of times. I kind of understand what's going on, but I don't think I was always like that. Mm. Where I'm, and I think that where will anyone who's listening to this, where do you see yourself in five years' time? You know, do you think you're going to be in a different space? Are you going to be just as motivated to do what you're currently doing right now and, and, and still feel as passionate about it? And I think I'm, I'm getting better with age. I just feel like I'm... 
I'm getting more fired up, more opinionated, more mm. positioned. And when I say opinionated, I don't. It, it, to be opinionated is not a negative word. No. By opinionated, I mean I'm willing to position and put myself. I'm not going to stand in the corner and just let everything fly by. Yes. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in and what what's going on. And I'm and I think I'm just getting the handle of that at 47. Yeah. And uh, it's only started to happen to me recently. Yeah. And I and I think you know if someone's if you're listening to this right now and. The question to get people thinking is, what have I got to do to be to take it to that next level into five years' time? And I think, you know what? I don't think I have to do that much, Bryn. Just no. keep doing what I'm doing and wait for it to happen for me because it's like five years. I'm getting better in age. Um, I haven't. I'd, I'd rather. I'd rather have a pause button. Just hold this age for a little longer. Yeah. But um, it doesn't work like that. Uh, where are we going to be in five years' time and will I be just as motivated? And I think more so I will be. Um, I just think not because I'm going to be studying, learning, trying to find out more. I'm going to be just let life run its course and uh, and see where I'm at. I'm not sure if that answers your question. but It does. And there's a lot of truth in that. And without opening the whole conversation back up again because this is normal, but... I wonder sometimes, and if you're younger than me, you're about to get really bloody triggered by what I say, but I wonder sometimes where the trade-off between the exuberance of youth intersected with a social media world where I know everything and I'm going to put it out there and then you end up with, 30 year old life coaches and 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 things like that right <laughs> and you know just just i said it in a previous podcast only recently i've been sitting around looking at you know some government decisions and things like that and going when are the grown-ups going to turn up yeah and then all of a sudden i realized oh, oh shit that's yeah. me now yeah and i feel like a grown-up at the age of 46 and 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 as a previous podcast guest said, yeah, it's scary when you sit in a room and you realise you're the most competent person there, but you know you're an idiot because you live with yourself. And, <laughs> and but, yeah, that, that's, and that's how you feel. I, I, I think if, if I'm going to leave something with on this podcast, yeah, is and it's, and it's probably that roundabout way I was trying to get to it, is that, you know what, in five years' time, you're going to get there, yeah. but just be comfortable getting there. Yeah, Don't have to be consuming social, traditional media, don't have to can you know compare yourself with other people that are going on around you. Just be yourself, and I think that's where that's You're my okay message to that. myself, and that's my message to myself is that I could not give a hoot what my competitors, what the people in my industry and space are doing. I've not I I like I said at the beginning, I use social media because I have to. I'll throw it in there, but I walk away from it. Mm. I don't sit there watching, reading all the comments, all the messages that are coming back. There'll be a couple sometimes, and I've done it on occasions, and I do get, but I remind myself, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being me, and that's where a lot of us are going to have to just put it down for a minute, put it down for a while, don't get too caught up in it, and in five years' time from now… Don't regulate. Yeah, Dan, <laughs> you're going to be a better and better ver a better version of yourself anyway. Yeah. Um, you just don't have to know everything that's going on right up to that five-year point. Yeah. Just, just be comfortable being you. Exactly. I, 
I um, I'm glad I'm glad you just re- put me back in there because you refocus. I was I was trying to say something. It wasn't coming out, but that was that's it. My yeah. intention to leave people with is that you're going to get there in five years. Just don't take everything else in. Yeah, just be yourself. I think I've looked. There are no studies out there that say knowing more things or consuming more content makes you more happier. No, <laughs> maybe money, but. Uh, <laughs> No, well, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a little bit, Brent. would be nice. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more than I've got at the moment. But <laughs> Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again today. Bryn, the pleasure has been all mine, and what a pleasure it is to have your red vest <laughs> in my white studio. It's, yes, uh, hopefully, I, it's hopefully it stands out. out. Indeed. Nah, it's good. good chat, good talk. Uh, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Indeed. Thank you.